0: okay one last time these are small
1: but the ones out there are far away small far away small far away i forget the kens laser Hi everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Occam's Laser. Sean and Dilta here. Um, Hello. Hi Sean. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a few things today. Um, there was recent news that uh, researchers in Yale had reanimated pig brains outside of their bodies. I see Reanimated is a strong word actually <laughs> yeah. use reanimate there but what i meant to say was that they got some cell activity going and um, so we'll talk about that and then uh, later on we'll talk a bit about the relative sizes of different beings and how that affects their experience of life i guess um so sean what is pigginess it <laughs> <do I> mean <laughs> Ah, uh, you should have
0: definitely opened with some pig zombie question. If pig I zombies are soon to zombie. rule, from <laughs> uh, <ruin> the world.
1: <laughs>
0: but so the the authors who published this paper, uh, they should have definitely used the word zombie in the title of the paper in Nature.
1: Like, uh, yeah, that would have that would have been worth it. I think to be to say something like. Zombified pigs return <laughs> yeah. in the form of brains <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with help of Yale researchers. Yeah.
0: So so to recap the study, these researchers took a load of pigs' heads from an abattoir, um took the brains out of the skulls, yeah. hooked them up to this system they developed called BrainX, which sounds very futuristic, and then see. Uh, checked out to see if they could make the brains do stuff even though they've been dead for like four hours Um, very black mirror
1: yeah yeah, it's kind of like I feel like it's at the end or the kind of edge of the ethical boundary there Um, but I want to talk about brain X like what were they just trying to be like space (laughs) X and just decided because it's spelt with an E X instead of just a capital X I just yeah Weird. Maybe they're going for like an ex machina kind of effect. Yeah. I don't really understand. Exo instead. But, um, yeah. It all it does is well, all it does, but it seems to just be a machine <laughs> that pumps in fake blood. But um, but it's cool that they had
0: to put in um chemicals to not to stop the neurons from firing because they were afraid. So they didn't want to. Their plan wasn't to actually make the brain conscious again because they didn't want. Uh, brain activity spark up on the pig
1: to be like, what
0: the fuck? I'm in a. <laughs> I'm so in a machine. yeah,
1: I think that that's also like kind of a part of. I don't want to have to deal with the ethical issues of bringing consciousness back to a disembodied brain.
0: Yeah, but... so they just
1: wanted to see if it
0: could work in terms of um, producing energy and all that kind of. Um... Yeah, like
1: the, if the cells would work, if the nutrients would move to the proper places, and if oxygen would actually be delivered to brain cells, etc.
0: It was cool though that they were ready uh, with anesthetics if they saw any brain activity start to appear, um, which is kind of kind of cool.
1: It's kind of it's kind of worrying as well that they just weren't really sure. They're like, "Well, let's just have the anesthetic ready yeah. because who knows what could happen." There's no that way. Was was, their own experiment. Like. No way it was
0: anesthetic. There's a PhD student with an axe behind it, and someone saying, "If this graph peaks,
1: <laughs> if hit this, it. Yeah, if this line, if this line, this is measuring like activity. If this goes above this other line, yeah. yes,
0: into this zombie region over here.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a smack. But, but the, um, no, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say the ethics is something that really kind of took me off on a sidetrack for a while because uh, it seems so like it would be uh, there would be so much red tape around it but there's actually none because firstly animals who are raised for food are exempt from any um, testing you can do what you want to them so they were originally raised for agriculture brought Mm -hmm. to an abattoir and killed and then second of all there's no ethics involved with reanimating something that's a, that's already dead, um, so they're kind of they. I mean, they were good and they still consulted with ethics ethics boards and stuff, but they didn't have to do anything. They could just, you know, go for that's it.
1: That's really weird because it was it was one thing I was considering like why pigs, but obviously it was just convenience and you know, i like, why not? The road, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, like why not any other animal? But um, obviously just because it's commonly <laughs> slaughtered animal that appears in many butchers and stuff, it's probably just. The handiest thing to use. Yeah, race for food is good. Um, It it is something similar that I thought about. I hadn't come across the answer, but I was wondering, like, is it easier to get around those ethical qualms if the animal has already been killed for other purposes and is already dead? But it's weird that there's no other rules on reanimating things. Obviously, it probably is something that they just didn't consider actually possible and still, as of now, isn't possible. But it's still weird that there isn't an ethical rule or like a violation in, in in stopping people from trying to bring something back to life. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah, I guess it was so sci-fi even probably
0: a decade ago. Um, and there's this parallel race going on between people who think, oh, AI will become conscious. But before that, people might just actually, like rather than figure out how to program consciousness, they might just figure out how to restore it in dead brains
1: yeah there's that whole kind of issue of immortality i guess is if you can just keep bringing life back to a dead brain like surely over time tissue would degrade
0: so one thing they said is yeah that, that they, they're not stopping aging at all so if they uh ever did this to a human brain it would still age and and eventually mm-hmm. degrade normally um but, but what's weird is that there are like hundreds of people who have paid to have their brains uh, frozen after death
1: yeah, and like, all around the what's world. It cryonics?
0: Yeah, so I mean, that's just odd.
1: Yeah, the premise there is that they have it all frozen, just kind of... And, and they sign something basically saying that we don't have the technology to bring you back frozen. It's... um, uh, What's the word? vitrification where they essentially like uh your blood goes solid but you're not actually frozen it's like Mm. you make it like jelly kind of um but yeah there's no guarantee that they'll actually be revived or when they would be revived they're just assuming that at some point in the future humans will develop the technology to be able to revive you but they don't even know if the process you go through to put you into that position would work you know, what if they develop a technology to bring you back to life, but the way they were you kind of, yeah. you know, put to death doesn't work.
0: Yeah, they it's have just, no it's idea so what weird
1: mistakes they're like. making.
0: They just watched Futurama and saw brains in jars and said,
1: yes. Yeah, that's probably what happened.
0: <laughs> but the in terms of the the questions it raises, like, I'm sure there will be legislature, legislature that comes through saying how or what you should with brains in terms of reanimating them um, but it also raised questions of like what is the cut off for death uh, because what this experiment was trying to show was for this happened four hours after the pigs were killed and they wanted it to be as long as possible to say look this was properly dead uh, and we restored some function and the prevailing consensus before this was for a mammal's brains As soon as you get a couple of minutes of oxygen not going to the brain, it's it's dead and unrecoverable. Um.
1: So this is, yeah, I guess they don't they don't restore any. So the cell damage that happens from oxygen deprivation, they don't actually restore any of that. I don't think it's just that they manage to save the ones that haven't been damaged yet. Mm -hmm. So the longer it's left dead, the less likely this is to work on a large scale in the brain. That's, that's what I read into it anyway. But it would be interesting for like the pig itself if it did get to a stage where it could be considered conscious. Would it just be like going to sleep and then it just kind of becomes aware again? I don't really understand how that would work.
0: Yeah, because the sense... I mean, it it's not, doesn't have eyes or skin. So I, I mean, the brain is no sensory...
1: Uh, yeah, it doesn't have any
0: sort of senses... But people dream, right? You know, at night, and that's the similar yeah. where you're having no input, but you're still having
1: feelings. But when you dream at night, are you not considered to be unconscious?
0: Do pigs dream?
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going down really complicated questions here, but they're actually we know all the answers back. at least. I don't. Yeah, I think we can say face in the fact that I don't think anybody knows the answers to these questions, or not properly anyway they might be able to give bullshit answers like we're about, we're about to do now but <laughs> <laughs> at least we admit it <laughs> yeah but yeah like if when you sleep you dream but does that mean that brains would just be there dreaming i don't think so like cuz that same function happens when you're asleep and when you're awake right in your brain like what the scientists are actually restoring mm yeah it's not it's not one phase or another it's just generic like activity but how would that work you know with no sensory organs yeah because the brain has
0: like wake and sleep cycles and people who are in coma sometimes they they can still experience those so like it is a lesser level than that what they did um but yeah i don't know um but (laughs) (laughs) but 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 one of the the talking points around this was that. you know in the future if they ever got it to the stage where it wasn't uh invasive and they didn't have to take the brain out of your your head and mm-hmm. and got it controlled for people then it could prolong the amount of time that somebody you know could be saved and it would like decimate the amount of organs that become available for transplant because people would never um want to say they're dead
1: but yeah because for... if you get to say if you're like in a car crash or something mm-hmm. you get to hospital and you're declared dead because there's no brain activity or something um that would no longer be the case yeah
0: and they, and currently if like uh, ambulance arrives on the scene of your crash and you're dead they'll pump uh, uh pump stuff through your veins to keep your organs preserved for a transplant um yeah. as well so it's it's kind of weird that the ambulance is arriving with stuff <laughs> ready to harvest your organs but, but
1: but it's also it's also strange because that's essentially what you would be doing with the brain and then suddenly you're still alive so it's very yeah well, so many so many ethical quandaries we have
0: <laughs> but but the other like avenue that's probably developing as fast as as this technology is growing organs organically in mm-hmm. dishes or in pigs pigs again well, uh, or, or organically as well. organs <laughs> <Yeah>. but uh, <laughs> but like that would that would you know solve the whole transplant problem forever if you could just
1: grow organs um, yeah and I imagine would they have to be like, I don't know, would people donate their own DNA to be like, here are my set of grown extra kidneys and uh, my livers and my lungs or would it just be a generic like company that just grows? Yeah. compatible organs for everybody I don't really know how that would work but that's something I really looked at <laughs> yeah but I I
0: read somewhere that people were talking about you know in 100 years what will seem very strange that we did now and one of the things they were saying was that people would transfer organs between people they were like that'll just seem so odd to, to do that
1: but what do you mean just trans I mean people now donate organs right as
0: in yeah that will seem weird in the future when people just have organs grown in a lab bespoke for them and then transfer and if you need a lung oh you just swap them in and out but the fact someone would like have one of my lungs or a dead guy's lungs
1: yeah yeah they'll just think that's really weird it'd be like just going to the dentist now or something and they're like here's a set of dentures <laughs> like it's actually a kidney yeah.
0: yeah i just took out this tooth earlier
1: yeah <laughs> Um Yeah, so I was wondering, though, if you had the option to be preserved as just a brain without a body, would you do that in, you know, in, like, if you could just keep living, keep experiencing, but then your level of experience really dramatically drops? So it kind of, I guess it depends if you want to, like, live forever and how much weight you put behind the word live. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you were in, a, like, a vegetative state after some, like, accident in a hospital, you know, it's like, would you say your wishes are, like, pull the plug or keep me going because this life is great? You know, it's probably not too dissimilar until they can actually have, I mean, there are companies who are trying to translate brainwave activity into actual uh data in terms of like images and words and stuff so maybe someday if you were a brain on a table like this they could actually infer what you're trying to say but at the moment I think it'd be a crap time
1: yeah I mean it would be pretty shit but like <laughs> um it's it just it it is weird to think that it would you would literally just be sitting there with no way to convey anything but it kind of got me thinking about that theory I don't know if you heard about it before it was like Boltzmann brains It's like some sort of physics thought experiment. Um, Mm. And it's basically like a Boltzmann brain is something that's self-aware. And it basically they arise like randomly through like random fluctuations um, of states. So that that stuff that's out of thermodynamic equilibrium, which is just crazy to uh, think about. And like the actual thought experiment is kind of complex to convey. But basically the idea is that the most common software entity that would arise from this would just be like brains that would just be aware just a bunch of uh
0: neurons or whatever but is the argument
1: just that your brain is a load of atoms
0: and the universe is infinite so it's not impossible that somewhere those atoms will just coalesce even for a second into a brain that's consciousness or is conscious and you'd be like hey I'm and then
1: yeah it doesn't even have to be for a second but yeah it would essentially just be like you just randomly find brains uh, throughout the universe that are conscious, but can never do anything because they're just brains. <laughs> That's so funny. It's, it's kind of terrifying. Imagine <laughs> you just going to like random places and just finding a brain sitting there.
0: <laughs> Your research seems very highbrow in, uh, in compared to what I'm about to say, <laughs> <laughs> which, which led me down this hole, which is I was actually thinking of uh, what it'd be more like without a head um
1: (laughs) okay that's completely different (laughs) it's like the exact opposite
0: but did did you ever hear of uh, mike the headless chicken
1: i have yes yes do you want to explain what a mike the headless chicken is
0: well he's he's just the chicken that someone tried to uh, kill um by chopping off his head but they missed his jugular vein and his brain stem um but he very much had no head and he lived for 18 months um by wow. the the farmer was just putting food down his hole, his uh, throat hole, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> um, his esophagus,
1: perhaps. But... <laughs> throat hole.
0: <laughs> A technical term, but yeah. I mean it's it's weird that you know breathing, heart, and all that stuff. It's all just controlled by the brainstem. So even though he had no um, higher order activity, he's still no, perfectly no wants happy. wants and
1: desires.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then you know, then it it's just weird. What like does he still have human rights or like animal rights at that time? Human I mean rights. <laughs> Yeah, Will animal
1: he, it is it is interesting if he doesn't have a head. I think he probably would still um animal right. rights would probably still apply. I doubt human rights would apply. But um <laughs> but it would probably say to just kill him because it would probably be in pain, right? He, he actually
0: got off better though than that because There's an annual um, Mike the Headless Chicken Day in Colorado every year where it's a whole (laughs) festival where they have things like uh, races without a head and uh, egg and spoon race where you're blind and stuff.
1: That's very weird. (laughs) It's uh, so weird. 18 Uh, months is a seriously long time, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, very long. And apparently it was very healthy and uh (laughs) worked out
1: every day ran up and down the pen
0: (laughs) um and the other issue which this kind of ties in so obviously in if this was a person they would be called dead instantly because they're essentially like brain dead is the definition that's normally used for death um Mm -hmm. and not having your brain certainly qualifies as brain dead um Mm -hmm. But there are a load of different definitions of death, and it, you know, it used to be that if your lungs stopped working or uh, your heart stopped beating, then you were dead. But now that's been pulled back because they can restore that with defibrillators and such. Um, and and I suppose what this research is likely to do is make it so that well, just because your brain activity ceases for a few minutes doesn't mean you're you're fully dead um, for four hours, and actually a quote that was used in not the nature paper but the nature article that was written about it um was from Mm -hmm. the the film the princess bride uh saying there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead mostly dead is slightly alive um but it's it's funny that they quoted first of all the princess bride but it (laughs) but it's very much true that it's it's such like the reason death is kind of hard to define is because life is hard to define. Because, I mean, trees are alive but aren't conscious, and then vi- viruses or everyone is confused about viruses. Um, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, there is a Wikipedia article uh, entitled Premature Burial. And,
1: oh, no. I don't want this... to... That sounds <laughs> horrific. Please, no. <laughs> uh,
0: so, like, and as recent as 2014, in um, <laughs> Pariah. Pe or aia in a place in Greece, a 45 year old woman uh, was buried alive and then just died of asphyxiation. Um, so she was declared dead in hospital, but then children playing near the cemetery heard screams from inside the earth, <laughs> and when this is they took. It's absolutely terrific. Okay, so... so that was 2014, right?
1: Twenty. Like my worst fear.
0: A year later, a separate incident. Also occurred in the same region of Greece, Burya. Uh, oh a 49-year-old woman was buried alive after being declared dead due to cancer. Um, only later, her family reported they could hear screams from inside the cemetery. And yeah, this is all terrifying, but it's fun.
1: <laughs> just never, never go to Greece if you have any health issues. I think because <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're so, they're so quick to say, "Yep, you're dead." I oh, know. Yeah.
1: Just... <laughs> I'm just asleep, just having a nap.
0: But back in the olden days, when um, it's often parodied in TV and stuff, when they used to have those uh, cemeteries with the uh, bells. So if you're di- if you're uh, buried alive, there was bells down to your grave, and you could um, pull it and let people know you're still alive, which I presume <laughs> never actually.
1: It. That's like how unsure people were back then whether <laughs> yeah. people. Were. It's like it was so common.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all of this though has made me really glad that we're in physics where there's no ethical quandaries really at the same level like any funding for research uh, there's a huge section for ethics that anyone in medicine or biology has to fill in and we just say yeah we'll we won't yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah like if it's actually i'm trying to think like it's probably just physics and computer science everything else biology like everything i think chemistry i guess you probably get away with a lot of chemistry that doesn't have any ethical issues
0: but then if that can uh, be used for stuff that like
1: yeah i mean if it's pharmaceutical or biochemical then you probably would have some Mm. something to say (laughs) yeah um there's something i thought about as well when like i was reading the this article about the pigs but it, it kind of raises a weird question about what is it about brains that makes them experience things that like, so it makes one brain a human experience and another brain, a pig experience. Like obviously the biology is different, but at the end of the day, it's the same kind of process that's going on, you know, neurons firing and obviously the human one is more complex, but it is weird. Like what is it that makes it different between like, what's these levels of consciousness? Cause if like the mechanisms are very similar, mm. you know,
0: I don't know if uh, you get what i'm trying to say <laughs> i do in that like uh, and also because you know we're so defined by uh, our body as well so like if you put a brains is <laughs> all getting a bit crazy now but if you put a brain a pig's brain <laughs> in a human like it would would its experience be almost more human like and yeah it's all i mean their brain structure is so similar in all evolved mammals and it's not even size that defines the experience either because like our complex experience because lots of animals have bigger brains than us. So I yeah. mean it's it's weird, I would say, would be my summary of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just found it a kind of a weird concept because I think we spoke about that before, the idea of like like consciousness is just a pattern rather than the matter underlying mm. what is what makes the pattern run on like you know you're running that pattern on a biological brain or if you're running that pattern on a load of transistors in a computer there is that idea that you can still make a brain either way obviously at the minute we only have biological ones but then the difference between all the biological ones is it literally just a complexity issue like if you had a more complex pig brain could it become more conscious than uh say a normal pig brain or something like a chicken it's kind of hard to know or if you could re- like replicate
0: a pig's brain, yeah, not only in a like computer basis, but in a mechanical basis. I mean, once you had the firing time, there's no reason why you couldn't make it into an abacus. Like, if it's actually just information mm. patterns flowing, and if it's just like like it's 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 so weird. But <laughs> but, but but it's like abstract to, stuff. But yeah, like today, like that kind of those science questions are where certain things like gravitational waves and stuff were a hundred years ago or special relativity or there was so much people didn't know about huge areas of physics and they knew it was confusing, but never, uh, same with evolution before the theory came along, everyone was just like, Oh, look at all these animals and some are similar and some aren't. And
1: Yeah. They're like, well, humans are great because of God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: kind of, But that's the, the, the excuse for uh, a lot of brain complexity now, you know, God made us smart.
1: God made us extra complex. He loves that complexity. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, if we find a brain floating in space, that'd be.
1: We have to label it like based on what we think, like pig brain, uh, human okay. brain. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There'll be like certain levels. There'll be a scale, like the Richter yeah. scale, but for brains. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I had a great time reading about all this stuff, but it was it was way too. I mean, there's the, there's so many angles uh, to take from it. Mm. It's,
1: It'd be nice to have like a neuroscientist here and also a philosopher <laughs> and a farmer. <laughs> that was more about the pig pig farmer (laughs) and somebody from Yale that was on the research team (laughs)
0: I mean that was the other interesting thing that that they just took pigs from an abattoir so it wasn't like they had to very carefully surgically remove the head or anything like they would have been just put very like uh brutally just chopped off you know not um not precisely snipped at the
1: yeah yeah not like the chicken or actually very much like the chicken I mean
0: (laughs) yeah Um, and there was a interesting little bit at the end where they were, they kind of cleared up misconceptions that people would or wouldn't have. So like, what is possible or what does this mean? Because it's, Mm
1: -hmm. because it's
0: so sci-fi, it can kind of, um, lead to, I'm sure there's a load of news articles that are concluding the wrong things. Like we are about zombies. Um, (laughs) no, you could definitely like, like go wild with it and turn it into proper sci-fi but they're saying what what isn't anytime soon at all is like brain transplantation. Like that's so um, not what they're able to do. And also like immortality, the idea of just, oh, you die and putting your brain in a vat and just then you go. Um, And then of course the brain, the vat thing is a whole other uh, philosophy problem of how do you know you're, that's not you, you're not in a vat in a Stanford lab. Um, hooked Mm -hmm. into BrainX version
1: 5 yeah and also something else they said was like we don't even know if we're actually bringing back full brain activity or just delaying the inevitable which is mm. interesting as well like I mean I think they they kept them them hooked up to the BrainX system for a max of 36 hours which is pretty impressive but like they don't know if they kept running that would it just eventually die anyway or you know so there's a lot of time issues there or would it get stronger (laughs) the pig frankenstein (laughs) yeah man bear pig Uh, Yes,
0: and a bigger brain is generally smarter this is little segue into our next segment Um, bigger brains are generally better but why are some animals bigger than others what's with that
1: We'll tell you after the break. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. (laughs) We should definitely
0: have some music in there. So, so in uh, Aeon magazine, an online publication, there was an article where they were discussing whether bigger animals are always better. And this led us down a rabbit hole of that very question, like why are some animals massive and some tiny and, and is it better? Yeah, to- how,
1: how, but how big was the rabbit that lived in this rabbit hole?
0: it <laughs> <He> was <laughs> smaller than the hole
1: anyway okay that okay that's okay I'm, I'm i'm okay with that then <laughs> yeah i i find this topic actually very very interesting um because it's a lot of things you never actually consider uh, until you just read about it and you're like oh my god yeah that's uh that's crazy but uh the example in that article was between like the goby little fish and the whale shark That we're like, you know, living in the same environment, you know, right beside each other. And there's a whole eight orders of magnitude in uh, the difference of their weight, which is crazy. But
0: you said you think this topic is interesting. but That's only because it's a biology topic that once you dig into it is actually largely based on physics. And it's mostly physical arguments
1: about how size scales. (laughs) That, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not as complicated as our pig topic that we just came yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah,
0: it, it it's it's strange the way evolution found a way that both uh, in working in, or living in the same environment, something that's a tenth of a gram versus um, tons, 34 tons, is are both perfectly suited to living there and have found niches, um, yet
1: live very different lives. Very different. So I think um, one of the first things I looked at when I was reading this was the Copes rule. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. But basically, Copes rule states that uh, organisms will tend to become bigger over time due to evolution. Um, and an example of that is the dinosaurs, which probably had one of the longest stretches of uninterrupted time to evolve um, and started off as quite small reptiles and became quite large, like the T-Rex, which was what the largest uh, land carnivore um so the kind of idea behind the rule is that being bigger is beneficial but obviously that's not always the case um
0: and so the reason it would be beneficial is you know you can fight off predators or avoid them it's easier to get prey it's easier to kill your competitors and uh, that kind yeah of thing.
1: usually if you're bigger as well you've got um uh, more variety in your diet that lets you uh, survive kind of more extremes. Um, usually, um, you live you live for much longer if you're bigger, which gives you longer time to invest in like reproduction, so like raising uh, children and stuff. So um that's interesting also usually there's increased intelligence is that generic scaling of like if your brain is bigger you're usually slightly smarter like you know a whale is more complex than a fruit fly or whatever Mm. um what else was there there was something else i wanted to say and i forgot oh yeah you can survive much better through like any sort of uh lean time so like you know if there's a famine or whatever you've more reserves that you can live off and live for longer whereas if you're something small usually you'll die faster because you have much more much higher dependence on like intake of food and stuff so yeah during yeah that's that's
0: that's true and then during the so so during the the um period up until recently animals tended to get bigger and now they've all kind of disappeared
1: Mm -hmm. all of the massive ones I mean, I saw. <laughs> uh, I can't actually remember where I saw, it, but there was the whole um, effect of like humans causing megafauna extinction, which was interesting. So, like, it's pretty much linked that uh, humans have uh, made the giant ground sloth extinct and a couple of megafauna that were from Australia. When they arrived in Australia, they just caused all of these animals to go extinct, which is probably just because we hunted them to extinction. But um, I saw that, and and I was surprised so i looked into it a bit
0: a bit more and it was the case that animals kept getting bigger especially after the dinosaurs died mammals got really large and about 125000 years ago they started disappearing but all the ta- like the pressure required to make an animal go go extinct like once the hunting is, uh, of the animal is enough to keep the a fertility rate below the level of replacement then the population just will eventually collapse so like it, it's not you know over the course of thousands of years uh, it's not like you yeah. have to
1: go out and just slaughter them all um, immediately. Um, yeah something interesting as well about that was the lily put effect I don't know if you mm. came across that but basically the lily put effect is that there's usually a decrease in body size in a, in animal species that have survived a major extinction so, any reptiles that survived, say, like the dinosaur extinction, uh, over the coming like generations became much smaller, and it's because, obviously, the extinction uh, would probably lead to much harsher times, so then to be more efficient, they would become smaller. Um, yeah. And it, uh, but interesting the way there's kind of a general shift from, like, being small to being large, and then something will happen, and then there'll be a shift to being small again, and then being large. Um yeah.
0: So what? So what you're saying is, if there's you know one summer or one winter where there's no food, then it's better to be big because you have the body fat. But ultimately, if there's a, a thing where you need to evolve quickly to find a new niche, then being small, you can get through generations much faster. And you yeah. just, you're young. You generally just have tons of. So there's the, or selection rule. If you came across that, mm-hmm. where there's a trade-off between the quantity and quality of offspring, and bigger animals tend to have fewer offspring that they put a lot of effort into, like people are always going on about their babies. But but <laughs> if I was a frog, I would just have loads of tadpoles and let them all come, I wouldn't care just, about them at all. <laughs> they'd all just get eaten <laughs> immediately. <laughs> but it is odd, even looking at, like you're saying, humans may have uh, taken a lot of the large mammals out of um, the scene. Like mm-hmm. we're not really alone in that. If you, even if you're watching any David Attenborough, show, like any of the the big cats or even like some of the hunting dogs, like any animal over terrestrial carnivores over prey on larger, not smaller organisms, which is which is a funny trait to have. So like there is a an evolutionary thing, even if humans weren't in the picture, a little feedback mechanism to stop animals getting too big because the bigger you get, then you're also a uh, um a tasty treat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I wonder like what actually causes that. Um so like why is there at some point if you're a carnivore at some point you suddenly start preying on things that are bigger than you. Yeah. Oh, like I don't I don't know why that would obviously is it more is it more so to do with the fact that the prey is getting bigger and bigger and bigger as well with generations. Mm. Maybe I don't know. And
0: the best thing about this is how uh, the, the different, and I think it's what, we, what originally was interesting about it, that the different properties scale with increasing size. Um, so if an animal is, you know, uh, your size, <laughs> and then they make them 10 times bigger, you know mm-hmm. your okay. So your your size increases by a factor of ten, but your surface area will increase by a factor of a hundred, and your volume will increase by a factor of a thousand. So yeah. your proportions change, and everything messes up. Um, mm-hmm. And the article I was reading about this was actually um, from the Smithsonian magazine, where they were arguing about whether King Kong is realistic. Uh, So they were asking if an 80-pound ape is is possible. Uh, They had to open with a quote where they were saying that um, it's uh, not real, first of all, which is kind of annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the annoying thing actually is they also finished their final paragraph line, saying, scientifically speaking, it may be a bit of a leap to say King Kong is, uh, is possible. But scientists aren't willing to fully rule out the f- possibility. It's like, no, they are. It's Who? just,
1: Yeah. <laughs> who's who's not fully willing to?
0: Yeah. But it's classic. Get that uh, person
1: up here now and we'll, we'll talk to them. The way those are, always written. Yeah. An interesting thing is the, um. so a couple of things then also depend on, say, surface area specifically and volume specifically. So uh, air resistance is something that depends on your surface area. Uh, it'll also depend on your volume um, kind of indirectly because usually you will be more massive Um, so the example of this is if you drop like an ant from the top of like a skyscraper or if you drop an elephant like the ant will hit the ground and be pretty much fine like it'll have no injuries whereas the elephant will like explode (laughs) and just turn into goo like Um, and it's just because the uh, surface area to volume of the ant is uh, such higher ratio than the surface area of the elephant to its its volume so you've all that kinetic energy um yes yeah, basically localized just... in one one space and also the air resistance will slow one down over the other but um it's just interesting that like you know Something like falling is basically has no effect to an insect, uh, but for like even humans, like we're very susceptible. If we fall from anywhere, we're going to hurt ourselves, and um, mm. and then elephants are fucked. But, <laughs> but there, there's even
0: an issue with draft giraffe, drafts uh, when they're pregnant and they give birth to their young. If when they fall just as they're born, they can die often as well, um, which is just small, small death. It's a but, really weird way to evolve, uh, isn't it? Yeah, but. But as you're saying about surface area, like so many things depended on it in that your intestines will also have more surface area so you can absorb nutrients better. Um, And the other um, example was our susceptibility to water and the surface tension of water. The bigger Mm -hmm. you are, the less you notice it. But if you're an insect and you just put them in a puddle or in a drop of water, they just can get stuck and die.
1: Yeah, they'll get like, sucked in. It can even just be like a drop of water and they just get sucked into the drop of water and then drown. Yeah. But uh, something really interesting about this was I looked at like the smallest insect is um, a fairy fly. And I think there's a couple of different species of fairy fly. But they're really, really small and they look real freaky. Um, they're like half a millimeter in length or roughly, I think that's the average. Um, and they don't really have like wings like a normal fly would have. It's kind of like... Like hairy arms, <laughs> because the the air is like uh, viscous to them. Mm. So air, like air to them is like water is to us, kind of, which is mad to think about. Like their whole perception of what, like they just think they're swimming around in air, yeah. but it's actually and to us it's so like not in the way, you
0: know. Yeah, things fall down, but but that's one of the reasons that you know the blue whale is the largest mammal ever because. You know, if you put a blue whale on land, it can sustain uh, injuries that it will die from just because it's not in water and doesn't have the pressure of the water to support its organs, and it'll
1: yeah.
0: it'll be sore. Um, so yeah, they, <laughs> sore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll have a rough old time.
0: But but I mean, like, because a blue whale is, so, I mean, I, let me have it down here somewhere, up to 190 like 30 tons. Meters? Yeah, yeah, 30 meters real big
1: yeah it is crazy to think like the difference between like the pressure of air and water is so vast that you end up with a either a fairy fly or a blue whale (laughs) the scales are just enormous like that's that's basically how these effects are scaling it gives Mm -hmm. you those variances in in, like orders of magnitude um And, and the the African bull elephant is the largest
0: land mammal currently, and it's it's something like six meters and ten tons or bush elephant. So it's it's much smaller than a blue whale. But if you wanted to scale that up to a blue whale, because its vol its mass is going up, you need much thicker legs, you much you need much thicker, like much more of your mass has to be dedicated to bone to support your structure. You have mm-hmm. to eat way more. I mean it's yeah, you have to Do spend more need energy. Stronger
1: bones. Yeah, you need stronger bones or bigger bones to support that effect, because mm. otherwise your bones will just snap, right?
0: And 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 in the case of the giraffe, I mean, it, its neck evolved to be long so it can eat from the tops of trees, but its neck can't be twice as long because then its heart has to have more uh, force to pump blood uh, yeah. against the pressure up to its brain and stuff. So it's there. It's so much harder to be big.
1: It is interesting how the size of the environment has like shaped evolution of those uh species and stuff like it's so different and so specific to to the environment it's just uh, baffles me but um something i thought was really interesting was that even say if you took like i don't know something small like uh a mouse like creature or something like and yes like a mess or a shrew let's do, let's go with a shrew <laughs> and if you made that like really big um to the size of an elephant somehow um the it would just like it wouldn't work in terms of its cells and its metabolism are too fast so like uh and your average shrew has to like eat uh twice its body weight a day to keep its metabolism working because it's volume is so small compared to its surface area it loses a lot of heat and the way it evolved to deal with this was that it the its cells kind of like run over time and like generate a lot of heat and then to power that it needs a h- huge appetite to like you know so it eats like 200 percent of its uh, body weight a day whereas like an elephant is something like five percent of its body weight a day because it's got such a large volume and such a small surface area that like you know they have actually developed their ears to be so big to lose heat because they're so bad at losing heat yeah Um, i mean imagine uh, like
0: i was eating 140 kilos of food a day (laughs) like isn't that
1: insane (laughs) (laughs) you don't even have to go to an elephant size like a human size you can see the difference is just crazy but if you if you were to think like if you were to just make a, a mouse that big or like you were saying like king kong like if you were to make a gorilla that big its cells would be generating way too much heat, so it would most likely explode uh, or melt one (laughs) or the other, depending if it's like proteins denatured or in time. (laughs) But that's, it's crazy to think about that. Like it's not something that you would ever consider in any science fiction. Yeah. um,
0: And there is a very strong correlation between the size of the animal and how fast its heart beats. And and then also how long it lives. So generally, if the bigger you are, the longer you live, the slower your heart, and it all comes back to the metabolism. And it's where that yeah. uh, rule came about, you know, rule of thumb, where you get a certain amount of heartbeats in a lifetime. And generally, across all organisms, this is roughly the same. So an elephant will have as just about as many heartbeats as a shrew, but it's living much longer, but its heart's beating slower. Um, but that was my biggest problem with the movie Big, where he becomes big overnight. I'm like, Good. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the pressure?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about the heat generation? <laughs> yeah.
0: And does this have anything uh, to do with the fact that dinosaurs, which got, so there's like a titanosaur, I think they got like 40 meters almost, but they're all cold-blooded.
1: So they're... Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, I don't think, I think it applies more to mammals because they don't have cells that generate their own heat. They work yeah. differently, and I'm not really sure exactly how they work. I'm no reptile. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I have the, something else to say i never forgotten.
0: <laughs> oh, you think about that for a second. I'll entertain our listeners. If you put animals on Mars, because this is all driven by gravity, if you put them on Mars, they would actually evolve to be larger because gravity is slightly less. Um, so if we were to ever you know, discover life on another planet, properly, fully evolved life and not just like simple cells, they could be massive or tiny, little tiny people, depending on what the gravity is like on their system.
1: Yeah, because it'll be more efficient either way. But it's very mm-hmm. interesting. And You're kind of limited by like the actual material properties of things like bone. Like maybe they could be the same size, but instead of their bones you know, being carbon and, like, calcium and things like that, it's actually some other element, which is interesting as well. Oh, Although yeah. everything on, most bones on the earth are all the same material, aren't they? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, there. But it is yeah. interesting to contemplate. I did remember the thing I wanted to say earlier. Okay. It's actually interesting, like, pregnant women, that um, when, before they give birth, the baby has the m- metabolic rate of the the mother, but after they give birth, their metabolism speeds up to generate more heat. Yeah. So essentially, before birth, they're behaving like any of the other organs, and then afterwards, they become like basically their own being. But they're, it's crazy to think that like their metabolism just speeds up, and I think it takes like four hours or something. Um, and it's weird the way that that evolution has like made that happen, and it's just because of their surface area. Like once they're outside, because they're not exposed to outside obviously before birth and then afterwards they are. So they lose a lot more heat. So you're they're saying top a baby to speed up a,
0: before baby is born. It's just another organ. Just get <laughs> but, <laughs> but
1: Repeal. That crazy, think, it.
0: Repeal. <laughs> but yeah that is that is so cool the way it all just kicks into gear and and can find it like as a physics problem it's just finding the local mac um, local minimum of the like it's just optimizing to the surroundings
1: yeah it's like just getting that equilibrium basically um
0: Mm -hmm. and then also across all these orders magnitude from people and the tiny fish you were talking about initially and the the whale like there's such a similar structure across all mammals as well so it's not like having different a different size means you need a different structure altogether like we all have brains brainstem and and stuff. it, it all that changes is really the metabolic rate that's the parameter that's fiddled with
1: yeah but again like you have the whole issue of if you're in water you can get to be a lot bigger because it's more buoyant and stuff than yeah. if you're on land it is very interesting. There's so many different factors that kind of coincide to make animals evolve into the way they are. Um, and then, of course, yeah,
0: <laughs> just the amount of the amount of food uh, that's available in terms of, um, like King Kong. The most yeah, another stupid thing about King Kong was that he's on this tiny island, where there would never be enough food to
1: support him.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't know
1: how much gorillas eat a day, but it's probably significant enough. Probably similar to humans.
0: Yeah. But one one of the reasons that also allowed the blue whale to get big, apart from being in water, is that it has the freedom to to travel huge distances uh, every day and it can eat um, a few tons a day. uh, 1.5 million uh, calories versus our 2,000 but again, it's not actually that much given that they're thirty tons like versus eating twice your because like, of percentage of your body body weight,
1: oh, yeah, it's like it's pretty similar to humans, so, right maybe it's slightly more, but yeah, yeah, um, that is crazy, so, interesting sizes of life, so
0: you're saying an elephant can explode if you push it out a window.
1: I was saying elephants never. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's some some quote from uh, one of the articles I read saying like, oh, if you drop a like a, a mouse down an elevator shaft, it'll like kind of bounce and be a bit stunned, but it'll be grand. And then if you drop a human down, they'll like break their legs and die, break <laughs> probably all of the bones in their body and die very quickly. And then if you drop like a horse down, it'll just slosh around. <laughs> <laughs> slosh. Yeah, slosh is such a such a. Vivid. <laughs> yeah,
0: and even the the term or the verb to drop a human it really may sound like it's against their will. Down an elevator shaft. But this is one of the it was, reasons it that... was
1: against the horse as well as well. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't but... suicidal.
0: <laughs> Babies often not often, but um survive uh, large falls and one of the reasons is that they're just so malleable.
1: How often? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's probably a study on it. N is 500 for the uh, study I'm reading. 500 babies dropped from various heights. <laughs> Remember those trolley experiments you had to do for leaving cert physics with the two yeah. uh, mechanics? Uh have asked of...
1: Oh, God. <laughs> uh,
0: the only problem I found to all this is that it's nice to talk about in the abstract uh, in a sense of how things scale, um, but it, it's the physics problem of the spherical cow uh, where it's uh, like there's probably yeah, I mean, more realistic models.
1: This is the thing with all of these biological rules; is they're much like softer than physics rules. So, like if some physical law will state, you know, protons do this or something, and it'll be exactly that, and it will never break it. Whereas in biology, there seems to like always kind of be a couple of outliers or like a couple of particular cases that will book the trend.
0: That's because biology is actually complicated. (laughs) Oh,
1: way more complex, yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm sufficiently uh, satisfied that we did it justice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sufficiently satisfied that the listener got a good overview (laughs) of different sized animals. (laughs) Yeah,
0: now for the next 15 minutes, we will list animals
1: in ascending order
0: of size. (laughs) Fairy flies, <laughs> but actually on that, I mean that's why they you know, one of the benefits of biology labs often use things like zebrafish fish and fruit flies to do experiments because you can breeze through like fifty generations and um,
1: yeah, or like little teeny like worms that are like microscopic. Yeah. What's that one? E. Parabens, I can't remember now, but, but yeah, all these like tiny, tiny little creatures that you can get through like a yeah, hundred generations and see actual evolution happening. It's very interesting.
0: No. <laughs> do you never have sea monkeys before your time
1: are they real though yeah sea monkeys what are they, yeah, what are they?
0: Uh, they're just a little shitty bacteria or something yeah. Um,
1: yeah, disappointing yeah
0: alright well I'm finished <laughs> <laughs> I
1: guess that means we're wrapping up unless you well, want you to can, just listen you to me talk your... for another <laughs> 10 minutes <laughs> alright Alright guys, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, follow us on the internet and in the meantime... Yeah, follow us on Twitter because our Twitters, we need to get that going.
0: Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. but we, we
1: need to start tweeting more often.
0: Yes, any follower will get a guaranteed shout out in the next three days. Yeah. Um, yes. Cool, yeah, and talk to you soon.